Blog Talk Radio. and more, business travelers have depended on United Airlines to get them to their most important meetings. United, rededicated to giving you the service you deserve. Come fly the friendly sky.
Good afternoon, folks. The Airline Radio Talk Show and the Eastern Airlines Radio Show are on the air, live with another episode of Airline Talk, News, and History. We call it the Airline Radio Hour, bringing you stories from here and there and from airlines to airlines. That's why we play a song of a different airline with each opening of our radio show. Hi, my name is Neil Holland. I'm a retired captain with Eastern Airlines and producer of the show, 12 years now. If you're listening in on the show's website, which is blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. Now that's abbreviated C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E, Captain Eddie, after Captain Eddie Rickenbacker. Again, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. And if you would like to call in and talk with our guest, our host, or just to add your memories and comments, then why not call us? Our number is 213-816-1611. Again, 213-816-1611. I'm the producer of the show, and I'll see your number on my switchboard, as it's called, or I like to refer to it as the producer's board. And I'll open your microphone, and you can share those comments and memories with us during the show. You know, we're a satellite-based radio station, and we're heard around the world. As a matter of fact, we have listeners in over 50 countries now. Our broadcasting antenna is over 22,000 miles above the Earth. So uh, I'm going to repeat the number again, not expecting anybody from... Uh, Europe or Asia or wherever to call in, but uh, they usually listen to us uh, on an archive version of the show. But our number is 213-816-1611. You know, since last week, we have had the following countries tune us in, and here they are. Hello, Australia, Japan, South Korea, India, China, Myanmar, I guess that's the Borneo used to be, South Africa, Portugal, Spain, France, Italy, Hungary, Romania, Switzerland, Hungary again, I've got it two times, Germany, Netherlands, Norway, United Kingdom, Ireland, Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Dominican Republic, Mexico, Canada, and recently Israel, Guatemala, Costa Rica, and Panama. Of those 50, we had 30 people check us check us out last week, listen to our show. So thanks a lot uh, for those countries around the world that do share our uh, radio hour, uh, and we're glad you're listening in. As we normally do uh, during our broadcast, uh, we sometimes have what we call dead air time. And when, when that happens, uh, I stand ready with a record that I play and uh, then hopefully we'll have some comments after the after the record is played or the song is played and uh, the songs you hear of course uh, was uh, United Airlines theme song from a few years back and uh, we play these uh, with every show a different airline we'll bring you a different airline music for each radio show and this year and our audience has grown to many many airlines now now, let's take a look at my producer's board and see who's with us today and say hello and 
uh, how it is in their backyard. I'm sure those that uh, are up in the north area uh, are finding it pretty chilly. But uh, let's start in Atlanta, Georgia. It shouldn't be too cold. Hello, Jim Holder, Captain Jim Holder, former Eastern Airlines captain. Are you with us? I sure am, and it's uh, about 40 degrees here, clear, but a little on the windy side. It's much better than it has been, so nobody's complaining in the big speech. Okay, all right. Well, let's see if I can open up uh, another uh, host that uh, calls that uh, is with us just about every week is Captain Jim Harris, another Eastern Airlines retired captain. And, uh, Jim, you've got a different situation in your backyard. Tell us about it. <laughs> I've got a terrible situation everywhere around here. We had a huge ice storm. Ooh. And uh, it's so bad that it broke several power poles in the middle. There's transformers laying all over the place. So this happened at midnight, 30, uh, Wednesday morning. I've been without electricity from anywhere else ever since. The good news is, several years ago, and I don't remember how many, I bought myself a gasoline-operated generator in the box sitting in my garage. You've been in there for years. I don't even know how long. But anyway, uh, yesterday morning, I drug that thing out and uh, got it out of the box, put some oil in gasoline, and pulled a little rope, and behold, it runs. <laughs> so it's been, powering, it's been powering everything that we have. I've got cords running everywhere so you can operate the toaster oven and... Uh, um, well, keep the refrigerators, keep the refrigerators yeah. going. But I have got, I have got, we have got limbs down everywhere. Oh, uh, it's, it was, it was a huge ice storm, worst I've ever seen here. Well, so, how many uh, watts is it? Huh? What's that? How many watts is it? Uh, Thirty-five hundred. Oh, that's good. Ooh. Well, I, I have a, I'd have a similar scene that happened about last week too. Uh, I got my generator out of the box. It's been sitting in my garage for about five years also, and I didn't know how to to take it out. As a matter of fact, it was too heavy for me. So I had a neighbor that came by and saw what I was doing, and, and he put it together, put the gas in it and the oil in it, cranked it up, started on the first uh, pull of the cord, and we attached a couple of appliances to the sockets, and by golly, the fan was running, and I'm ready for the next hurricane. Not ice <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I hear that beautiful uh, laughter of Brenda Chabot. And Brenda, you're up in Toronto. I suppose every home that's sold in the Toronto area comes with a generator, doesn't it? Pretty well. <laughs> I mean, I remember back, I don't know, it was, I guess, it was early 90s. And we had that ice storm for four days and all of our people, um, our hydro people went to Quebec to help out because they'd got it first. Wow. So there was nobody there left to fix ours. And I remember being in my house. I lived alone at the time. I was in the country. And of course, your toilets don't flush because there's no power. Um, you know, you're on a well. And I remember my dishcloth in the kitchen froze and broke oh. <laughs> it actually broke <laughs> it was so cold and it was four days of it yeah and i kept thinking well the pioneers did it i can do it you know because i had a log <laughs> fireplace but man it was miserable <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, golly, it was terrible 
Well, I've got uh, also, I think this is uh, George Jen. George, are you with us? Area code 561, who might that be? Could that be me, Captain Neil, Dennis? Yeah, yes. Oh, is this? <laughs> yeah, Dennis this from the Space Coast, Space Coast uh, Silver Liner Group. Oh, Dennis, in, uh, how are you? Okay, very, very good. Well, thank you. Uh, All right. Spoke to you the first time back in uh, December, right before we were getting our group organized before the Christmas holidays. And so I uh, just wanted to report back with you that um, our meeting in December for, before Christmas, we collected $755 that we contributed to the local charities. Wow. How oh, lovely. And we um, you know, started the group about a month before that. Uh, we're up yeah. to about 25 members now. Wow. So wow. we, uh, we uh, have monthly meetings uh, every uh, first, um, I should say, second uh, Thursday of the month. And so we have one coming up uh, February 9th, and that's going to be at the Island Time Bar and Grill a Marina in Cocoa Beach. Um, it's 400 West Cocoa Beach uh, Boulevard. It's on the causeway, and uh, that's where we'll be meeting. So we invite anybody and everybody that's uh, a flight attendant in the area to come join us for our uh, monthly meeting and luncheon. And it's a good opportunity to meet um, friends and make friends. And we're uh, starting to do a fundraiser already for Christmas in July. So um, we've we've been pretty active uh, with the local charities and and we uh, welcome any uh, new additions to uh, to further our cause. So just wanted to mention again our, our next meeting is this coming uh, Thursday, February 9th. So you can look us up also on the um, on the uh, internet. Uh, we're on Facebook under the uh, Space Coast Silverliner Group. So well. Lovely to hear from you. This is Brenda Chabot, the magazine editor. And oh, okay, Brenda. Uh, send me, yeah, send me something, please, for the magazine. That's we're so proud of you. Plus, your chapter has the best name of all thirty, 30 in the month thirty three <laughs> chapters. <laughs> well, we're right here on the silver on the space coast uh, in uh, <laughs> you know Melbourne, Florida. So uh, we, we're pretty happy. We're happy to be here. Oh, it's wonderful to hear from you. Uh, thank you very much. Well, thank you thank for you, calling Captain. in, Dennis. We appreciate it. Call in every once in a while and uh, check us, uh, uh, tell us about what's going on. Did I hope my little sister that lives in the area called you. Did did they, she ever call? I, I haven't heard from her yet. I'm, I'm still looking forward to it. All right. Well, I'll get on her again. I talked to her and told her she's <laughs> got to join, so... She's okay. down there. And she, she, yeah, she used to be with United Airlines. And by the way, Dennis, which airline were you with? Oh, I was with Eastern Airlines. Um, okay. Yep. Till the till the end. <laughs> All right. Well, we uh, must have flown with you, uh, Jim Holder, Jim okay. Harris, and myself. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was based. Were you a flight attendant Fort Lauderdale? Uh, yeah, were you a flight attendant or pilot? I beg your pardon? Were you a flight attendant? Yes, I was. Yep. Oh, great. Great to have you. Miami and Fort Lauderdale. Very good. Very good. 
Yes, lovely. Okay, very good. Yeah. Well, just, listen. Just um, side, yeah, go ahead. Side, though, there's supposedly an Eastern Airlines captain that keeps his uh, boat at the uh, marina where we have our monthly meetings. And uh, so we're trying to find out who the captain is. So I'll report back on that as soon as I find out. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Well, we'll see if he's listening to the show and perhaps he'll call in. But if we have any luck with it, I got your phone number here, Dennis, and I'll certainly give you a call. Okay. Thanks so Enjoy much. Enjoy the rest of your day and the weekend. You're welcome. All right. Thank you for accepting the call. It's our pleasure. Thanks a lot, and come back often, please. Will do. Okay, folks, we uh, have a, a different type of show today. I've got uh, my little brother uh, performed what I call the Miracle on the Golf about two years and one month ago. And uh, he's on his way up here to visit with Peggy and I. Uh, I haven't... Uh, I haven't had the opportunity to tell the listening audience that my wife and I just celebrated our 65th wedding anniversary about two days ago. And, wow, uh, yay. And we're planning another 65 years. Oh, <laughs> right <boy>. on. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> but at any rate, Gary's coming up here, and he's going to spend uh, the day with us and tomorrow probably go on up to his house in North Georgia. I don't know how he's going to get up that mountain because he's got a beautiful mountain house in Blue Ridge, Georgia. But I want to try to attempt to make a phone call in just a minute when I play this first song. While I'm playing it, I'm going to try to dial him in, and he's probably somewhere on Interstate 4 and uh, probably bumper to bumper, as I know Interstate 4 most of the day is. So uh, we're going to try to tune him in, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, his ditching. And uh, very interesting uh, that uh, four people in that airplane survived. And as I said, I call it the miracle on the Gulf, the miracle on the Gulf. A little takeoff from the miracle on the Hudson with with, uh, Sully. And uh, so here's a song, and I'm going to attempt to make a phone call on this computer. It might blow it up, but at any rate, I don't know. <laughs> I've done it only one time in 12 years, I think, made a phone call outbound to get someone I wanted to talk with. So first of all, here's a cute little uh, a little song that I always like to hear, and it's uh, sung by none other than Arthur Godfrey. Arthur Godfrey. <laughs> and it's called Teterboro Tower. Here we go. Oh, I, oh yeah, I remember when this happened. Piper 202, over. A Teterboro Tower, this is Piper 202. I'm a turning on my downwind lake, my landing's overdue. The stick is a burbling in my hand, I think I feel a stall. And a bug's caught in my pito Gary, thanks for calling in. I'm going to finish this song and we're going to talk to you, little brother. All right. There's Bobby Hour. You're cleared into the pattern, but don't try it coming in. Just circle around for sequence while I play my violin.
this is Piper 202. I'm a sweating out this landing, and I don't know what to do. My VHF is on the blink, and your voice is a fading fast. Please clear me on the final, or this flight may be my last. Allison Piper 202, this is Peter for a tower. I'd like to help you, buddy, but I just don't have the power. FAA's your only hope, so if you've got time to spare, just pile a form and trip like it is, sign a questionnaire. Cedar Burrow Tower, this is Piper 202. Now kindly listen carefully to what I'm telling you. I've got to land here right away, my engine's losing power. If you don't clear me instantly, I'm a gonna buzz your child. Well, Gary, you didn't have Teterboro Tower to talk you down. Oh, no, but I like, I like that introductory song you got. <laughs> okay, uh, you're a little bit low on the volume, but get close to your speaker so we can hear you. And uh, first of all, where are you? Uh, actually, we're cutting across the Fort Pierce, so we're about still three hours from you. Okay, very good. I told our listeners and our hosts that are with us today about having you on the uh, radio show. And... Um, uh, you were sweating it out on your landing, but uh, uh, as as I call it, the miracle on the Gulf. And uh, you did a great job, and you did something that in the 50-plus years that I have been flying airplanes, golly, since 1955, I think, four or five, that I've started flying. That's many, many years ago. I have never done, uh, little brother, what you did and successfully uh, landed that airplane on the water with a fixed landing gear aircraft, and everyone survived. Uh, can you set the stage and tell us why were you over the Gulf of Mexico? And tell us a little bit about it, Gary. And your wife is with you, so I want to hear Diane's side of the story, too. And then we have a few questions for you. Go ahead, Gary. Well, first of all, I didn't plan on making that landing either. <laughs> yeah. but we didn't... Uh, we didn't, we didn't have a whole lot of choice when that engine quit on us. We were, uh, we were headed from uh, Fort Myers uh, down to Marathon, and we've made, we've made that trip a couple hundred times. You, you would think the plane could make it by itself, but it still, <laughs> has, to, it still has to be able to run. We were at 5,500 feet, and we were about... Um, 28 nautical miles out, usually at about 24 nautical miles, we start making our descent just to come down slow. But um, all of a sudden, we we, uh, we heard and felt some spitting and sputtering. Um, we immediately turned on the, uh, the fuel pump. I had a girl flying with us. That's a CFI. Her name was Rhonda. And uh, she was in the right seat. She said, uh, you fly the plane, I'll get the engine going. Well, she did everything she could to get that motor going. I even tried the ignition switch again just because I had nothing else to do. But um, it didn't respond. The prop was still turning. We tried the electric fuel pump. 
we uh, we pumped it. We did uh, what we would have called a hot start again, where we advanced the mixture, but um, nothing uh, nothing got it working again. And even switched fuel tanks. Um, although we had the same amount at each side, and I knew that because we had gotten fuel before we left. We were carrying about 40 gallons at each side. It holds 52, I think, on each side. So we had we had plenty of fuel, but um, for some reason it, it wasn't drawing. At least that's my opinion. Was uh, it was fuel related? So um, anytime you want to step in, Neil, you can ask me some more questions instead of just going well, on. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, Gary, uh, you, now you're flying, and she's French. <laughs> She's uh, trying to uh, start the engine. You set it up in a glide, and what went through your mind? I mean, uh, I, I'm sure you, you, you know, like we we teach students. Uh, I, I, I was an instructor. I think I've got about three or four thousand hours instructing time, and you you perform these engine out failures. But usually, uh, when you instruct a student, you're over land. But here you are over the water, and uh, looking for land. Of course, land's not underneath you. So what's going through your mind now and uh, thinking about your landing? Well, you know, even, even like I mentioned that we had done that a couple hundred times, uh, I know you probably had the same feeling that I do. Every time you fly the plane, you, you figure something could go wrong, and you're not making this aware to anybody else, but you're thinking it in your own mind, well, you know, what would I do? And... Like you said, you're taught that in school. Um, I was taught at ground school that it was, um, we always called it PTL. It stands for pitch, trim, and look. So you pitch the plane where you can get your best guy glide, and then uh, you trim it to hold that, and then, of course, you start looking uh, for where you want to go. But... PTL also stands for praise the Lord, which is what you're doing at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're pitch, trim, and look, and you're also PTL, praise the Lord. You're doing whatever you can to land that uh, land that plane. I was, I turned, uh, I turned 90 degrees towards the beach, hoping I could make it um, at least to the beach or shallow water. And I even crossed my mind, what do I do on the beach? Because I'd be landing on on an angle. Uh, with the ground on an angle, and it, you know, I'm figuring it's it's going to roll back into the water, anyways. But um, we ne we never made it that far. We we were still about three quarters of a mile from the beach. But um, my uh, my flight instructor girl that was going to bring the plane back for us, she was uh, she was still trying to get that plane that uh, that motor going and. Uh, you could hear her talking to it. She was, come on, baby, come on, baby. I mean, she was praying to that thing, trying to get it to go, but uh, obviously it, it didn't start. The one remarkable thing, too, though, is as we, as we were getting down low, she, when she was still trying to get the engine going, she said to me, she says, look how low we are. And that, that was one part of the miracle there because... I was still had my eyes fixed on trying to make it to the beach. And when she said, look how low we are, I looked out the window and that water was right there. And at that point, 
I, I don't know what made me do it, but I pulled back as hard as I could pull. And luckily we had uh, enough speed. I mean, if you looked it up on flight aware, we still had, I think, 93 miles an hour, 93 knots at 300 feet. So we had enough, uh, we had enough speed that the, the plane reacted and uh, that nose came up and I was pointing towards the sky. And uh, all of a sudden I could feel the tail and the underneath of the tail skipped three times before the mains hit. And when the mains hit, that of course brought the nose down real sharp. And in my pulling back, I had pulled it back with a slight turn to the right. And the nose wheel then dug in. And at that point, it whipped the plane to the right, which put the left wing underwater. And the right wing was sticking up. Of course, uh, on the way down, I had had Diane open the door. I, I forget what she jammed in it, but she got the door open. She got it where, and at that point, of course, everybody knew that, you know, we had an engine problem that was going down. I can remember looking back at one of the girls that was in the back. Her name was Nancy, uh, Diane's cousin, and uh, her eyes were so big. The only thing I could do was I just gave her her thumb, a thumbs up. And believe it or not, I don't think any of us thought we were going to die. We just didn't know. I guess we didn't know what to think. We didn't have a whole lot of time to think. You know, I can get the, the two or three minutes that we were gliding went by so fast that uh, you didn't you didn't have time. To, but we had time, of course, to prepare. You know, make sure to see belts or everybody was looking at that. Also, on every flight that we've gone down to Marathon, we're normally overruled. So I have everybody wear their life jacket um, when we get into the plane. Not have it under your seat. Are not alongside of you, and you have to be, you have to wear it. Uh, that particular day, though, uh, Rhonda, the CFI, she says, oh, "I'm not wearing. I can tread water for an hour." Well, she she sure grabbed the life jacket. Once we get the point, she wanted one at that point. <laughs> but we already had ours on. Um, when that left wing went down, I I climbed out on the right hand side along with her. Um, her and I are both standing on the wing, and then I realized that I got to get back to the, to Nancy and Diane, my wife, because their door is open, and that's the side of the plane that's that, that's going down. So I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't light up my life jacket. I did not pull the, the the cord, so it was still it was still deflated, and I jumped in the water and swam around. When I swam around, Diane's my wife was uh, tangled in the headset. She was, um, well, not quite panicking, but she was very concerned. And uh, Nancy was trying to help her get undone. So they both, they both didn't realize, you know, what what they needed to do. And I reached in and I pulled both of the uh, both of the igniters on the life jackets, and they they uh, they blew up. When they blew up, it, it floated these two girls right up, and I, I could see the difference in the, in the look on her face. You know what I mean? 
you you could see they they felt quite a bit different than what they were when they were trying to get untangled. So I'll let I'll let Diane tell you um, about getting her out of the plane and, and what she felt like. Go ahead, Diane. Hi, Neil. Hey, Diane. Uh, Louder. Well, I don't know how I would feel like Gary said that I panicked when I got in the water. But maybe I did. I don't remember that. But when she, when she got a hold of me and said, you know, we're okay, you know, then I was all right. And my cousin Nancy, she um, she can't swim. So my, my concern was to... Uh, Know, was to make sure I had a hold of her, you know. But um, yeah, it was quite an experience, and um, I, I don't know. It's, there, there was no fear that I can remember, you know. I guess we just didn't know what was going to happen or what we were going to expect, so there was no thoughts. You know, yeah. That's through my mind, anyway. Well, um, can't. Diane, can I ask yes. uh, our guest, if I mean our host, that if they have any questions, please ask Diane uh, or Gary. Uh, I have one question I want to want to ask, and uh, it's not more of a, it's not much of a it, it's not a question, but it, it, it's kind of a why not type of thing. Why not have uh, in these airplanes that do travel over water? Uh, especially single-engine airplanes, uh, prior to uh, taking off with the airlines, they give a uh, the flight attendants give an announcement that uh, tells everyone where the life ref rafts are and uh, how to put the ref vest on and what happens if the airplane is going to ditch, uh, where the uh, this, the doors are and so forth. W Gary, would you recommend? Uh, that in a single-engine airplane there be such a checklist that is kind of read to any passengers that are in the airplane that you're flying? Well, yeah, um, of course it would be. It would be great. Um, but I can tell you right now that even from my own family, um, my son, matter of fact, um, you get resistance about wearing the jacket. Yeah. You know, their, their yeah. first thing is, well, I'll keep it. I'll keep it right beside me. Well. We found out, uh, luckily, because we already had our jackets on. But at how quick that time goes by, you've got you've got the headset that you're uh, you know you're tangled up in. You've got to get your seatbelt undone. Um, would you have? Would you have? Or would we have had? You know, we, we got lucky because I, I I pulled at the right time. The plane responded. We skipped and we settled in the water. But had to come down. And impacted hard. I know we're going. Impacted hard. I don't think we would have been able to put our jackets on, especially yeah. if if somebody's injured. Yeah. You know, if somebody's injured, yeah. they ain't going to have time. It was so easy. They're they're um, they're the vest type. Um, you know, the um, suspender type, I should yeah. say. So they're very convenient to wear. They're not in your way. They don't weigh anything. Um, and you know it makes you feel secure that you got it. It sure did that day. It sure yeah. did that yeah. day. Yeah. Brenda, Brenda Chabot is up in Toronto, Canada, Gary, and she uh, has written a book on uh, first responders. And uh, so, and as a matter of fact, her book is so 
popular uh, that uh, Emory Riddle uses uh, her book uh, as a teaching book. And uh, so Brenda is with us. She's one of our regular hosts. And Brenda, do you have a question for Gary? I guess listening to what you just said, it is so true. But I guess you could say, even though it's family, you wear your vest or you get off the plane before we take off. Yeah. Like, you're the pilot. You're playing. You yeah. know, because yeah. you are so right. Now, I don't know a lot about small planes. Um, so I understand that you opened the back door because you know you're going you know there's a potential you're going down. So people should have put their life vest on at that point, I guess. Um, not blown it up yet, though. That's another thing, right? Uh, and I don't know whether they did. Right. So maybe you could fill me in on that. Uh, that, was, that was part of the story where I swam around the other side of the plane and got to that. That's one thing about the Piper Saratogas. Now, this is a fixed-gear Saratoga. They make retractable and fixed-gear. Mine happened to be a fixed gear. So a lot of people, okay. when they think of the Saratoga, they automatically think about it being a retractable. Okay. So what, what we did was uh, I did have to pull their their um, little yellow trigger that, that uh, inflates yeah. the, the life jacket because they did not inflate them. And they, they don't recommend you inflate them into the plane. You you can't get no. out when you're uh, yep. all blown up like that. Yeah, I yep. was in a, I was in the seat and uh, I was trying. Nancy had her seatbelt undone, so she was ready to get out of the plane. But I, um, for whatever reason, my headset, the wires were all wrapped around me, and I could not get out of my seat. And uh, oh. the water was the water was coming up, and it was like mentioned, first of all, that maybe they thought it was a seaplane landing in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, how long did it take them to get over and rescue you? And tell us about that part of the uh, miracle on the Gulf. Well, you know what? That that part was a miracle also. Um, we uh, When we got in the water, I started swimming towards the, towards the beach. And I'm having the girls swim towards the beach also with me and we were trying to um we were trying to figure out if we were going to be able to make it to the beach or if the current was going to continue to drift us and come to find out we were going to continue to drift but that's part of the of the other part of the miracle is the fact that on the beach just happened to, to be six guys camping Three of them were first responder type of people that worked for the sheriff's department and the fire department. Wow. And the other wow. three happened to be the other three happened to be pilots also. 
Oh, okay. Wow. So they thought, like you, they thought, like you said, it was a seaplane, so they saw the big splash. They realized yeah. that seaplane or not, it it, uh, it it did not make the landing that it wanted to make. So um, we we were just lucky that they were where they were. You know, we were in the water. I would say less than 20 minutes, and here these guys come with a uh, with an inflatable, which is even uh, even more of a miracle because you can't load people into a, a hard fiberglass sided boat. At least yeah, with the um, with the with the inflatable, they were able to pull us right over the soft edge and hmm. and right in the boat. We got Nancy in. And we got uh, we got Diane and and myself and and Rhonda got in. Mm. That is amazing. May I ask? Amazing a is right. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yes. When you purchase an aircraft, or you lease, or you know, for the day, or rent one for the day, is there any safety training on how the doors operate? Um, that little dance before, <laughs> like in other words, you had a planned emergency landing. Not that you planned to do it, but it happened and you had time to plan. And that time would be to get the um, everybody to know what to do with their seatbelts, but do not release them before you the plane has come to a stop. And the second one is have those life vests on prior to that, but don't inflate them until you're actually exiting the door and having the door open. I just wonder, is that is that mandatory or is there anything out there for that? Well, I don't believe that they do that kind of training. Um, I think when you when you rent a plane or have a plane, then um, you you have to take it upon yourself. I, I, I've never rented, so I've always thought yeah. you know I I know yeah. I'm over the water. Um, we I mean we started off with a 172 with wearing life jackets in the in the Ooh. plane. So we, we yeah. did that all the way all the way on through. Anytime you're over top of water, and like I said, these things are not in your way. They're not they're not cumbersome yeah. at all. Yeah. So here we here we are in the water. The guys come out. They uh, the one guy goes back into the plane, dives in there, and gets uh, trying to get some belongings that we had. Uh, Diane's purse, uh, Nancy's purse. Oh. Um, he finds it. He finds another life jacket that uh, wow. that was that was already blown up from hitting the water because they ignite themselves if, yeah. if they're uh, if they if they sense the water. Um, actually, that life jacket was what was holding the whole tail of the plane up. When he wow. pulled that out, of there, the the plane started to go down. And wow. then um, then the park the park ranger came out because we had declared an emergency. They knew we were going down. Uh, they had already notified the park ranger. Um, I I don't think it would have been too long. The Coast Guard would have found us, even if we didn't make it to the beach. But it was a whole lot nicer having that miracle of those guys coming out and getting us. And we have we've celebrated we've celebrated that with them on the uh, on the one year uh, anniversary. And we had a big we had a big party. we had a big party where we invited them and their family over. We're We've become friends with them now, of course. Yes. Yeah. That is an amazing story. You know, actually, it's, um, <laughs> of course, being who I am, I can't help it. I was a trainer, a flight attendant trainer as well. 
and it makes me want to write a lesson plan <laughs> that's <laughs> universal <laughs> it does and use this yeah, as a case good study idea. and send well, it out to everybody maybe you and Gary really and Diane can co co-write it <laughs> yes it could be yeah. the quickest I think it would be little, you know yeah. yeah yeah it would be a good thing to have because a lot of people know would have panicked yeah I would you know absolutely you do when you know if you feel you can't get out some people you know on the larger aircraft once they uh if the time is to undo your seatbelt they even turn the buckle the wrong way or they lift it the wrong way because they're panicking and you might not think you are but inside you are and that's natural yeah there's a lot to be taken and as you know now every second counts Every second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It, and I'll tell you what, it goes by, like I said before, so very fast. You don't you don't really realize how fast it goes. It goes fast, but it's slow motion, if that makes any sense. You know, it seems like your time is going quickly, but, but yet it's still going fast. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, Gary... Gosh. Uh, you sent me, I believe, uh, a a web or URL that I went to, and you mentioned earlier about the tracking uh, application that you can go to, uh, FlightAware or something like that, whatever you called it, I forgot. But yeah, it's I called FlightAware. Yeah, I went to it, and it showed your entire profile, all the way down to the water. That's an amazing really thing. yeah and they have they have this thing that I guess it tracks uh, the transponder or whatever and um, and it showed the whole profile and uh, it was it was amazing and uh, as far as the finding the airplane uh, that was kind of funny in a way because it had become detached didn't they put a marker on it? as to the location of the airplane? Uh, well, when the, park, when the park ranger got out, he threw a, uh, a little five-pound anchor with a float on it. That, uh, <laughs> uh, being in the boating business, I knew that that wasn't going to mark it very long. And, of course, it, <laughs> yeah. it probably didn't because they couldn't – the next day they couldn't locate the plane. Uh, did you ever get it? Six months later – they found it. Wow. It was yeah, six months later, but it had pretty much fallen apart. There wasn't a whole yeah. lot left of it, being in the salt water. Uh, yeah, the, the tail was broke off. The one wing was, uh, you know, it didn't go down in that condition, but there was some storms as far as high winds and some northwest winds and stuff that happened that, that winter also. It bounced around the bottom. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I got a question because I'm going to ask one. Yes, well, the engine Holden. find that why the engine quit. Well, of course, they, uh, it took them so long to find it. We never know what caused the engine to quit. Um, we had we had put a new fuel pump in it because we had had a problem one time with with it um, spitting and sputtering. So um, it could have been the new. We flew it seven hours after the installation. So we figured we had we had solved the problem. Now it could have been um, 
It could have been that the fuel pump itself was not rebuilt properly because, you know, you don't get new ones anymore. You send them back and they redo them. Uh, right. This is a factor. I took it over to a place in Fort Lauderdale and they sent it in. Um, and also, um, it could have been the fuel selector valve, which I later found out is something that it can be troublesome. Any place where it can draw air, it'll draw air rather than fuel. And you know mm. that just from common sense. So um, it, it was it was definitely fuel related. Um, it wasn't fuel shortage. It was fuel starvation of some sort. Either it sucked air, or that fuel pump that we had put in went bad again, or you know we just we don't know at this point. It was uh, the the person that would know the best was probably the crabs that were in the airplane. That's that's all I can say. There was uh, when they pulled it out of the water, it, it was full of barnacles and full of stone crabs. Oh my God! Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Kind, of, kind of unusual, but yeah, I've got I've got pictures of it coming out of the water. It looks terrible. It looks like it some was. historic thing. And, and uh, Gary, Gary, did you have a uh, did you have the FAA to get involved in this? Uh, how did the FAA handle it? Oh, yeah. well, they, what you did. They called me and they they uh, they called me and they started an investigation, of course. And I had to turn over my log books and the and the repairs and anything that was done to the plane. Um, but you know, when we didn't find the airplane, uh, we didn't hear a whole lot more from them. Yeah. There was a recovery team that came out to find it, and um, they uh, the insurance company, but it was also authorized by the. Um, by the FAA, and um, I guess since they couldn't find it, they couldn't really um, examine it, of course, to find out what was wrong. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well. Uh, now you're flying a twin-engine Saratoga. What's it called, Gary? It's called a Seneca. Seneca 4. Seneca so it has the same fuselage, fuselage, which I, I really think that, um, and, and I'm not saying this about other airplanes, I'm just saying this about what I prefer. Uh, without that rear door, you're not going to get people out of those airplanes. I mean, you get like a, uh, a 182 where you got people have to climb from the back seat and go out the front door. Yeah. Uh, that's fine while you're sitting on the tarmac, but when you're going down in the water, that's yeah. a long way to climb. And plus, you got to get past the people that's already up front. You got to hope they get out quick enough so you can get out. The, the rear yeah. door that the Saratoga has, um, the, the Bonanza has it also. Um, I think it. I think it makes a, a much safer plane for passengers. You know, maybe not yeah. pilots because they've got they've got an exit door. But the people oh. in the back, you know, if, if if you don't have one of those two kind of planes, you're done. You know. Now, the one I got now is a twin engine with the same fuselage, so it has a rear door. And the, it also has club seating. Club seating makes it nicer, too, because you're facing each other, and you can get right out the door. Nobody has to yeah. turn around. Yeah. Um, and I have pointed okay. that out as a safety factor to people when they ride in the back of the plane. I've said, right here is your escape route. You know, if you have yeah, to kick good. that door open. But, uh, of course, he yep. had it open. But I said, you know, I always tell him, you can kick it. You kick that thumb, it's hard. It'll come open. I know it will. <laughs> but um, that's all you can do is, you know, 
and people feel, you know, a lot more, a lot more secure when you see something oh. like that. We well, had yeah. an Aztec yeah. one time, which is, you know, they call it an Az truck. Um, it holds six people, but four have to climb out the front door. Yeah. Okay. That ain't easy. Wow. Question: Do you know whether um, uh, that particular plane sits, the tail sits low in the water? Do they give you any of that info? Uh, no, it, it, it's not so much that. It is a low wing, so um, supposedly Just, a, a low wing is is a little better for you if uh, if you're going to ma- land in the water because the wings offer somewhat of flotation. Whereas a high wing, like a Cessna type, a high wing, of course your uh, your wings are above you, and the first thing to think is the fuselage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you wouldn't be able to get the door open in the water then, just like a yeah. car, you know. Like that's the problem with the bigger jets. They, they the tail sits low in the water, and they're plug tight mm. doors, so you can't open them. Well, well but there again, them. most of most of the most of the jets have the low low uh, wing. Yeah, yeah. I want to ask Jim Harris. Uh, Jim, have you ever ditched an airplane? I hope not. You ever tried? <laughs> <laughs> no, I never tried, and uh, it's not one of those things I want to talk about. <laughs> How about you, Captain Holder? You. you ever ditched an airplane? <laughs> No, but I tell you, this brings back a memory. A friend of mine at ATA, uh, I flew for ATA after Eastern, and uh, he was a pilot for a doctor, and he and he had a 182, and he could fly the airplane anytime he wanted to. So I went down there to visit him, my, my Cherokee, but I stayed over land, a little airport north of Tampa, and he decided he and his girlfriend, they wanted to go up to Cross Key. And I said, well, where is that place, you know? And he got his map out and showed it. Well... We had a lot of water between what that little airport down there just uh, north of Tampa someplace. I forgot the name of it. But we went, and the whole time I was in the right seat going up there, and I just kept looking over there and thinking, I hope this thing can glide to get over there. But when we get over there, it looks like there's going to be nothing but alligators. So I was very uh, I was very happy when we got to Cross Key, and he wanted me to fly it back. I'd never flown a 182, but he insisted, and, and uh, I told him, if this engine quits or anything bad happens, you take it. So I don't know what I'm doing in it. But we made it up there and back and had a real great lunch. Well, Gary. That's my total experience of what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Gary, I had, I think I told you before, I was hired by Saudi Airlines after over in Arabia, Saudi Arabia Airlines. And uh, in the interview in Houston, Texas, the uh, the uh, check captain or the captain with Saudi uh, interviewed me and he asked me about mm-hmm. ditching an airplane. He said, uh, what, "What's your? Yeah, uh, can you tell us uh, how to ditch a A three hundred? You know, I, they hired me for an A three hundred, and uh, I said, uh, yeah. And I kind of tried to visualize the the film that we had back in nineteen sixty three that they showed us all, and never saw one again after that. But he said, no, 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 not a water landing, a desert landing, a desert ditching. Oh, <laughs> I, Ooh, I, said, desert. I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I wonder, yeah. That's yeah, ditching in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> not nice. But, well, uh, at least you'd have a good chance of having the bar stuff so far. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. 
Uh, any rate, you. Uh, you you got some notoriety out of it too. Uh, uh, I think uh, you didn't they feed, didn't they have it on the CBS ABC News or something like that, Gary? Uh, wow. Yes, and it also uh, uh, there was a, a friend of ours that that got uh, got to talking about it and got some people from uh, uh, People's Magazine. Yeah, they oh. did a write up on it. People's People's okay. Magazine did. And that was uh, the issue that who was on the front of it? I forget. I yeah. Anyways, it was you know right around March of 2021. This uh, this the 22nd of January was our second year, so it's that was our our two year anniversary. Wow. Yeah. And you know what I? Wow. People still, you know, when they ask you about it, I, I tell them I says, you know, you don't realize this, but I I, I shouldn't even be here talking to you. Yeah. There's yeah. not, you know, I I don't know what the percentage is, but it's it's got to be less than one percent. Yeah. Yeah. And they had another um, accident in an airplane over there too, about the same time. And I was confused when you had uh, actually uh, you called me and told me about it, or somebody called me and told me about it. And then I looked it up, and there was another airplane over there in Fort Myers area that uh, had a ditching. Oh, is that right? Well, there was one that ditched. There was there was one that ditched uh, on the way to Bahamas. They did, they didn't make it. There was four. Okay, was that's the one. Four yeah, people, that, that, and, and there was another one. There was another one the next weekend in Marathon, and they were okay. We saw that plane come out. They they found it quicker. Hmm. Uh, well, well, I wow. was happy. I was happy. Peggy and I went down. Uh, the uh, celebration that you guys had for the responders that was quite a quite a, a celebration and and they uh, they well deserved what you guys uh, did for them at that uh, celebration in the back of your home there in Fort Lauderdale and uh, I did make the plaque uh, certifying you as an honorary captain and where did you put yeah. that plaque I gave you? Did you did you hang it? I've got it, I've got it hanging. No, it's hanging right there on the wall in Lauderdale. Okay, yeah, I'm, all I'm right. I, and I and I thank I thank you for that, Neil. I mean, I didn't I didn't need a plaque, but um, you know, it, 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 it reminds you that you, it, it reminds you that you're still alive reading that plaque. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah it's it's, it's, it's kind of handy. It is. Yeah. Well, yeah. I hope. You, I hope you're further along, or you didn't have to stop for this uh, interview. Well, we we were, but I just uh, I, Diane didn't want to keep going. She says because you're not going to know where you're going. But I overrode her a little bit. We found we did get lost. We did get lost a little bit. We found 95 now. So I once I found 95, I know I can find your place. Okay. Well, listen, we're going to let you go, and I'll see you around four o'clock or so. And uh, look forward to seeing both of you. And uh, thank you so much for letting us tune in. You can listen to the rest of the show. We don't have but just a couple of minutes to go. But I would like for you to hear our sign-off when we go out uh, uh, from the show, one-hour show. I want to hear hear Piper 202 again. I know it. I'll give you that (laughs) when you get here. You can put it on your cell phone or whatever. But I think you'll like the sign-off, too. 
Brenda, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Captain Holder, thank you. Bye-bye. Captain you're Harris, welcome. thank you. And Dennis, if you're still listening, thank you for tuning us in and calling in. So that's our show for today. And I want to turn it over now to Captain Hop Harrigan. And he's going to land Flight 79. And so, Captain Hop Harrigan, you've got the airplane. Feeling well, Monstrand, all clear. Okay, this is Hop Harrigan coming in. Silver wings Slowly 
fading out of sight. Gary Diane, we'll see you after a while. Drive safely. Okay. Thanks for all you do, Thanks, Brenda. Thank you. Shining in the sunlight, roaring in just headed somewhere in flight. They're taking you away and leaving me lonely. Silver wings, slowly fading out of sight. Oh, they're